So, hey guys, you know how sometimes things start with trigger warnings? This is not one of those. Something bonkers has just happened while we were recording this episode. De De Dead Palette is so shaken up by what just happened, he can't even get a word out. So, so that being, that being said... We're going to present the episode as is, but if you want to know what happened, if you want to cut through all the bullshit, let's just say our opinion on 1999 has changed drastically. <laughs> for for all intents and purposes, the whole point of midnight of of undercooked analysis was always to present something with no plan, no script and no filters. And boy is that true now. So, Either carry on as you are now, or find the link in the description and click it, or jump to the time signature I'm going to post below. Either way, um, on with the show. I gotta say, I am so pumped for halloween this year i'm pumped for halloween every year but this year just uh i don't know i've got a lot of cool things planned it's the only time of the year that tumblr is actually entertaining <laughs> skeleton war yeah i mean that's good but the rest of the year it's just so boring and blasé. This is very true, but people tell me that tumblr is as good as the people you follow and i'm just like I don't, I don't know who you're wanting me to follow, but I can't find anyone interesting here. You got to find the right um, fandoms, I guess. But creepypasta fandom doesn't really seem to like. Okay, creepypasta fandom. Put big quotes around that. They yes. either reblog Jeff the Killer fan art, or they, I don't know, or you find the people. You dig long enough, you find the people who are actually trying to do legit stuff, like. Uh, for example, and I'm going to give a shout out a little early on, we, we had um, someone uh, from among the Tumblr crowd join us just recently to talk about 1999. Now, not join us on the show, but give some really interesting feedback. Mm -hmm. And we'll, we'll, get to hit, we'll get to him in a moment. That being said, uh, I mean, Tumblr, Tumblr is a weird place that I don't quite understand, and I just float through it every so often. I use it to promote the show, and that's about it. Same on this side, so yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, I will be interested to see what people start putting up as we get closer to October. We're not quite to October yet, but at least here in L.A., they're, uh, all, of the, all of the stuff is starting to happen. All the Halloween events are starting to, to like like float in through the fog, like just... You got your haunted houses opening up, your scare, your scare parks, your uh, like weird theater. Um, in on October first, I'm actually going to see um, uh, a group called Wicked Lit, who perform uh, in immersive, interactive plays at the at a mausoleum in um, uh, like north of me, and it's going to be. It looks pretty good. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. There's there's some stuff that comes like comes up over here, but not a whole lot. They have um, 
this place called the Short North, which, which is like the art district and everything. Mm-hmm. And they have a thing called Highball, which is like it's it's like a giant costume party in the streets and everything. And this place, no joke, has like five gay bars and then like a bunch of other bars that are terrible. So like everyone goes to the gay bars, not to like hit on lesbians or anything. It's just like no, the gay bars are the best bars. And this time of the year, they always have like a bunch of like really crazy fucking drag queens in ridiculous costumes. So that's always a sight to behold. Well, that's always fun. We have, uh, I mean, I've ne- I haven't seen much of that here, but um, I've been to enough pride parades to know that drag queens are hilarious and awesome. <laughs> Most of them. And time. they have a good sense of humor. Oh, they do. <laughs> mad props, really. Like, the all the ones I've met have been, like, just super chill and really funny and like just they just own themselves and i always thought that was really cool so so you had there's there's that you got that sounds like a pretty good halloween event we could go to detroit and participate in devil's night pray tell what is devil's night you haven't heard of this no no well i mean i've heard of it by um I, i i mean it sounds sounds familiar but you know that's the whole thing could, is, that's, that could be just channeling sort of the mischief night idea it um i mean it's kind of synonymous but devil night is uh when they it's the night before halloween and people will go out and just burn down buildings it's just like abandoned buildings are subject to mass arson oh, that what? night yeah and it, it kind of like started as like a protest of like the shitty economic situation that happened in detroit it's like been on the decline apparently but i find arson really interesting so well considering you wrote a uh a a fairly epic series of of pieces about um arson in a small uh ohio town i mean (laughs) yeah arson's great Mm -hmm. kids go out do some arson but only on abandoned buildings yes with and, people in them. Maybe not that <laughs> part. Uh, I don't want this show to be held accountable for, uh, responsible for any, any arson that might occur. Kids do drugs. Kids have lots of unprotected sex. Don't do that. Because that makes <laughs> getting more sex hard. Mm, yeah. <laughs> anyway... With Halloween on the horizon and all kinds of fun things planned, be it arson or uh, drag queens. Unprotected sex. Unprotected sex. With drag queens. With drag queens. Or, or, you know, weird plays set in mausoleums or uh, scream parks. With drag queens. That that would probably be a a huge improvement, to be honest. (laughs) Just to play the all-drag queen cast... uh, performing uh the fall of the house of usher they don't they don't need to all be drag queens but a little dash of drag queen never hurt anybody oh why no one wants moderation they want all or nothing these days it's gotta be one thing or the other right i i I have no response (laughs) well now that i you have no response we can dive into this hi guys it's time for another episode of Undercooked Analysis. I am your host, David King. I am the god of Midnight Marinara. 
Everything you listen to on this channel is my doing. No one else was involved at all. I did all of the voices. Yes, I am that amazing. And Dead Palette's here, too. It's worth noting that David has a jar with Ben Affleck's pee in it. <laughs> Do I have to tell that story now? <laughs> no. No. We're just we're leaving that there. And all right. that's all that people need to know is that you have it. <laughs> if you're ever wondering about the story of Ben Affleck not letting me pee, um, which is the real story, uh, if we get enough inquiries about it, I'll tell that story someday. And maybe I'll wait till Ben Padden's here because he was directly involved in that story. In fact, really, it's more of his story. But I was there. I was witness. The jar of pee is hidden under the floorboards at David's house. <laughs> and... It smells more and more by the day. <laughs> the telltale pee. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. What are we doing here? I don't know. Well, we're probably... We should probably talk about the uh, amazing amount of feedback we got from the last uh, episode of uh, 1999, which was part three. We'll be going by into being part belligerent four... at our audience. <laughs> While being belligerent at our audience? Yeah, we, we had to be belligerent at our audience to get comments. That's true. And you know what? It paid off because we actually got a few. Um, Quite a few, really. Yeah, and and good good ones at that. Uh, so let's, let's pick out a few and talk about them because we don't want to keep people waiting too long before we dive into part four of 1999. And here's what I'll do. If you guys want to skip this part, I'll put a little link in the video description or I'll put it if, if you're uh, listening to this on YouTube. Or if you're uh, listening elsewhere, I will give you a time signature in the description of what to jump to if you want to skip this part. But, but you, you shouldn't, because should you should be a part of this. Yes, we want you to be a part of this. So listen to the feedback we got so far. Uh, we got some pretty epic stuff uh, in terms of like length. So I'm going to go ahead and dive right into what the Blackmailed Gamer has to say about um, 1999. I really like 1999 as a story for a number of reasons. The main reason being this, as I read the story, I don't feel like I'm reading a creepypasta. This is why 1999 can stand out against other creepypasta, even ones that are be written better. Take Slime Beast Whh Whimsywood, for example, which is a great creepypasta for those who have never read it. In Whimsywood, we have the protagonist in a creepy setting, we have a creepy climax, and we have a satisfying ending. That's it. Story complete. And real quick note, uh, that was, I think, the first Midnight Marinara you were in right? Yes. Yeah, uh, that's still one of my personal favorites. The 13th episode. Uh, in 1999, we have an ongoing investigation that seems realistic. It makes sense that the author makes grammatical mistakes in the story because it's not a guy trying to create a creepypasta but a real human being editing a blog. Elliot is a college student who's learning engineering and doesn't have the time to write out elaborate, beautifully constructed paragraphs in a blog which he scarcely updates, unlike other writers like Cosby Daff or the aforementioned Slime Beast. Elliot probably doesn't edit any of his blog posts past one initial self-read-through. Even the kids with the Slipknot shirt and the butterfly knife seem realistic. If these kids had appeared in Grad Night in the Haunted Mansion, I would have been very disappointed in the story's author, winky face. Well, um, thank, thank you, Blackmailed Gamer. But in a story that has build itself around the real-life investigation blog instead of a creepypasta, I can believe in the realism of the kids' scene. 
Elliot was able to walk from Mr. Bear's old house to the kid's treehouse. That means that these two hardcore preteens specifically built their treehouse deep in a forest where a serial killer used to actively murder children. They knew about the killings. They told Elliot about the drain pipe. Once you accept the fact that these kids probably thought that being close to a serial killer's old grounds would be so cool, is it really unreasonable to imagine them chasing away strangers and using a knife to protect their treehouse? Yes and no. I, I, I really like uh, this comment because it brings to light something that we didn't really discuss. These kids did build, you know, this little treehouse to, you know, be around the serial killer's grounds and everything. It was, so that is, like, a really edgelord thing to do. <laughs> it really does further cement the fact that they are they are edgelords to the max. And to be honest, as much as we ragged on it, I, I actually kind of really like that moment from a, from a humorous perspective perspective you know i like the i like it too but i don't like it for the reasons that i like a creepy pasta well no i mean that's i'm i'm with you on that one because it does it does break break things a little bit but i don't know there's just something there's just something fun about these the the bulk and skull type coming in (laughs) yeah that's yeah but uh the butterfly knife seems like a little ridiculous to me. Like, I think if you well, yeah. if you got to middle school, you would know that that would get you like in serious trouble. Which like, is... if you if you were like in elementary school and you somehow got your hands on a knife, that then maybe you would pull it on someone and like your parents would come down on you. Like, do you realize how stupid that was? These, but these... I don't I don't know about kids about that age though. Yeah, well, these these kids clearly give no fucks. So uh, I mean, they're again well, they, they give a few fucks because well, they they, they all, don't all they need to... to do is be pressed a little bit and yeah, they're 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 posers to the extreme, which is kind of funny. But yeah, it is a little bit weird. Uh, but it makes sense. It does make sense that they would build this this fort, this fort of theirs, where this happened because it's like, oh man, we're 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 really we're really playing it tough here i like that they're they're it's almost like they're they're again they're posers they're trying to be they're trying to be intimidating and they're just failing epically at it you know Mm -hmm. so but great comment yeah great comment and lots of uh lots of uh story and name dropping in this one which i find really interesting um definitely worth checking out worth checking out uh some of these people involved i especially recommend grad night in the haunted mansion (laughs) uh do you um, do you have any you want to share? That you did you have any more you want to share from the comments? Well, I'm mostly looking at YouTube, like I said. Um, let's see. There's uh, Talos Creepypasta. I'm going to sum this up really quick. And Talos, by the way, Talos Creepypasta is a cool dude, does some good narrations, has actually covered a couple of my stories, worth checking out. Um, says we might want to take a look at Ublu after this. Um... It's, uh, he says, it appears to try and blend psychological elements with some kind of supernatural dream entity. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, I'll put that on the, uh, the list of things to potentially cover. Um, and like I said, uh, unlike Midnight Marinera, where I have to be really picky about the stories I actually adapt, uh, Undercooked Analysis is a completely fair game. Anything and everything can be done on Undercooked if I really want to do it. It doesn't matter if the story is good, terrible, or mediocre. Um, meanwhile, Omi Gurren, oh, well, first of all, where's, uh, 
I'll get to Omigurin in a second because it follows this comment. So I spelt Eclipse wrong, comes back to help uh, further um, further our understanding of the mysterious land of Canada. And, Canadia. <laughs> and, can, beware, Canadia. Is it, or is, is it pronounced Canada? I don't know. Anyway. Canada. Canada? That, that's how they say it if you're from, like, Wisconsin. Canada. <laughs> Canada. Or Boston, right? That's a Boston accent. Oh, a man. terrible Boston accent. You're probably you're probably better at doing a Boston accent than I am. Uh, I got a Boston accent story for some other time, but those okay. Were you want to know about the the Ben Affleck P and the Boston accent story? Just poke us about it. Anyway, uh, I suppose Eclipse Wrong talks about uh, how the butterfly knife thing is even weirder when you realize that those are illegal in Canada and hard to get, apparently. Yes. And that is, like, a gift we give. That, that's like the seven-year-old gift here. It's like, you turn seven, you're a man now. Here's a butterfly knife. <laughs> so where the where is mine? How come I didn't get one? Because you never became a man. Ow. Your Jufro is not big enough. Look, I know I you sound haven't, like... You haven't done the ritual of Yom Kippur. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, I know, like... I, I know, know a lot about Judaism. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> And look, I know I sound like I'm 15, but I'm not actually. <laughs> um, uh, also, that's that's mm-hmm. strange because, like, I mean, that's that's just something that would never come up unless you know about Canada. That's a good point. And it's also like the weirdest thing to ban in my mind. Yeah, are, gu- are guns legal in Canada? Um, fairly they... certain they are, aren't they? We got to do our Canada research, man. We got to do our Canada research. We got to do our Canada research. This isn't the only story set in Canada that I've read, or at least um, certain parts of Canada. I did a story that was in in, uh, Newfoundland. So, like, I should have done more research about that, but I thought the story was pretty self-explanatory. Someone in the comments there said, like, the one thing this story is lacking is the terrible Newfoundland accents. (laughs) And I'm like... Okay, I'll assume Newfoundlanders have an accent. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, also echoing our sentiment of not knowing what a keener is. Oh, yeah. So, she, yeah, Eclipse doesn't know. Must be a term from their field, to which um, actually another commenter, Omi Gurren, notes, apparently a keener is a Canadian slang ter- for a nerd. Hmm. God, That's a really a weird term. Yeah. <laughs> You're such a keener for knowing that. I thought uh, Ho- I thought hoser was like a nerd term, or is that more of a, like a loser kind of thing? Hoosier. Ho- hoser. Yeah, maybe we can get that hoser at school to jump off the roof or something like that. You know. I, I think that isn't that a term for a Canadian. Is is it? Oh my God! We are showing our lack of knowledge oh, here. We are we are ignorant we're Americans. We're being frauded. We are we are we are uh, USA trash. So <laughs> um, if it doesn't happen in America or glorious Nippon, we don't care. <laughs> oh, glorious Nippon. Um, there's a lot. Of, oh, there's a lot of good comments here and quite long ones. But I think the best one goes to Tormental, who just leaves a couple emoticons. Who the fuck is Tormental? I don't know. He's probably some I've sh- never heard of this guy. He's probably some scrub. Let me look at his channel. 
Only oh, just the shitty Let's Plays. Mostly of, like, weird indie games. What, what even? Yeah, He's whatever. He's not a big name on the internet. No, no. Not like that Slime Beast. He's going places. Yeah, that Slime Beast is going places. But, but you know... We can't all be... We can't all be Slime Beast. <laughs> Um, we can't all we all can't we can't all throw copyright strikes around no and sue people oh man uh the last one i want to share let's see is um from our uh, another returning commenter the jojo who um you know is uh i'm not sure which generation jojo this is but reading through the comments a little bit um i see that uh the jojo refers to herself as female so I'm guessing this is Jolene Cujo. For those of you who know about the bizarre, what a bizarre adventure that anime is. Anyway, sorry, Mr. DK, I didn't get the reference. It sounded anime-ish. I wasn't an anime girl when I was growing up, but pfft, why so touchy? Uh, you were too nitpicky that one time. That uh, You're fine now. In fact, you both went easy this time around. I was the one who went frumbling and being nitpicky by myself over here. So... I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. I guess, I'm guessing the JoJo name is unintentional to what I keep referencing. So there's another frustrating yep. reference for you. <laughs> um, I love the comment about the little details that don't necessarily mean anything, because I agree completely. Yes, they might not mean much, but they give the story a certain personality, and that's important too. I am forever thankful that this author, for having, to this author, for finally giving me a word to a thing I have tried to describe before with no success. As a non-native English speaker, storm drain isn't a word, well, two words. I find it in any textbook or conversation. And dictionaries have given me words that were just not right. So thanks, author. I'm sure the author out there is smiling. Uh, you guys keep bringing up the Jeff the Killer Boys in the bit with the kids, but you know what that sequence reminded me of? It reminded me of the 1980s movies, not just horror movies either. And the whole episode kept th me thinking of Stephen King's It, or rather... The miniseries adaptation, there's even a storm drain in it, too. A very pivotal storm drain. The most important storm drain ever. Unless you have uh, played Heavy Rain. That storm drain isn't good. <laughs> Ugh. That storm drain doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's it's integral to the plot, though. Just yeah, that's why, the, that's why it's terrible. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. You're the killer all along, and never once, when you're in his head, does he ever, like, say, like, oh, it's great that I'm a serial killer. Speaking of Boston accents. <laughs> um, I thought some bits were a bit clumsy, especially the last bit of the 512.12 update. But it makes me think that the horrible moment in the middle of the story you were working on, where you're stuck trying to fill the gap between what you wrote before and where you're going to get it, or where you're going to get to. I've been there, and honestly, given the blog format... I guess it's all right. I think if the scene with the kids didn't make me think of the 1980s movies, It, it would have bothered me more. But because it gave me a sense of nostalgia, I find that I actually liked it. I like the author worked that email into the story while discrediting it. Other less experienced authors might have tried something like this as a genuine threat, and it would have ruined the whole thing. Thanks. Uh, thank you for the fun. Well, you're welcome, Jojo, and uh, thank you for the feedback. Yeah, and that whole thing about the threat is really good, because... I can't th I can't remember where I heard it, but it was like someone taking someone saying something on the internet and trying to like spin it as a real threat in a creepy pasta, and it was just really 
cringy because it was just like, no, this is, you can include this, but it's just silly to try and act like, oh, yeah, they know where I live and they're coming to get me or whatever. But I don't think that this nostalgia here is just personal to this commenter. I think that um, it's really hard to articulate it, but there's this sense of nostalgia that just goes throughout the story. And I think a lot of the times, uh, if it's coming up short in my mind, I just have this feeling that it brings up in me that makes me want to forgive it. And I don't think it's like name-dropping Pokemon or these kinds of things. I think it just is very much so stuck in that time Mm -hmm. as a story. And a story with a title that is a specific year is going to keep evoking that sense of nostalgia. That's the thing. Well, it it could um, evoke, it could call itself that and then not do the work of evoking that nostalgia. But this one does. And what I'm saying it is does, you, you, yeah. have that, you have that subtext in your head as you're reading the story about, you know, oh, this 1999, so it's going to have a lot to do with that. Despite the fact that this is mostly in the present, you do get a lot of weird nostalgic... Well, yeah, that's the thing, is it's this person trying to relive 1999 with his readers. Right. Or, which is, yeah, their readers. Because the weird we're, thing we're is pulled the weird... back to this very crystal point in time over the span of a couple months and mm-hmm. trying to dig out information that could just be lost mm-hmm. to the winds, you know? Oh, yeah. It's really it, it it works to the story's favor, and even like I was about to say, even those kids are kind of like a weird, um, the not the kids in Mister Bear's Cellar, but the kids who um, the bullies, the edge lords. Yeah, yeah. They even have that going on, considering they're both wearing band shirts and they have a certain style to them that just screams to me late nineties. Yeah, and the know? Stephen King uh, name drop here is good too because I didn't really like. Um... I really like that miniseries, but I didn't like that part of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the bullies. I liked the response to the bullies, and, and it had really interesting protagonists, but I didn't like the bullies. Right. And I, that either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. And so, I think that brings us to my comments that I want to read off. Yeah, I'd say so. Most other people are leaving good bits of praise. Uh, Wiggles uh, insists we check out POW at some point. It's good. It's actually good in spite of the MCP association, lol. And here's the thing. I want to put it out there. I don't have a problem or anything with MCP. In fact, he covered one of my stories once, which is really cool of him. Um, I don't, And actually, he's listening to his, some of his stuff gives me an idea of, okay, what kind of creepypasta is out there and what can I steal to use on my show? I, so the MCP the... association is not necessarily a bad thing in my book. We may, may we may poke fun at him a little bit, but I, I personally don't have a problem with the guy. I think he's really naive, and I don't particularly think that he is smart, and I think that he is okay at what he does. That being said, I don't I don't hate him. I not... think he's just really naive. Mm-hmm. And I think you kind of feel the same way. No, I I do I, I do, but. You know, that's that's the tricky thing when it comes to, you know, basically making a living off of other people's work, you know? And, he, and he's just not conscious of that. Right, and I, it's, I don't even, yeah, it's not even necessarily entirely his fault. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt to that degree. There's some uh, Let's Players out there that make a living off 
quote unquote other people's work and they really treat the material that they're using with respect and uh, they analyze it and they pull it apart and they really showcase it and say, look how good this is, but it's no substitute for you playing it yourself. Mm-hmm. And that kind of respect and care isn't often given to us jackoffs that just write short, creepy stories on the internet that probably wouldn't work as well if they were published. Which, you know? is, which is why you and I and a few others are here on Undercooked Analysis to try and change that. Hopefully. We want, to, we want to pull these stories apart and give the authors the credit and respect they deserve or the, uh, or, you know, the criticism that, that they need or the give them the criticism that they need or try to understand the baffling popularity of certain stories when they, uh, they don't seem very well written. Well, that's the thing too, is it's, it's an amateur movement. So you kind of have to contend with some, you know, less than stellar stuff sometimes. Right, right. But it's, it, it, I'm just saying as, as a, um, as sort of a thought experiment, as sort of an exploration of, of the way culture or the way readers receive the way uh, it, it's sort of a cult, like, um, uh, I don't want to have to delve into the English 380 stuff <laughs> I took in college, but it's all that nonsense about, you know, different kinds of criticism, mimetic criticism, reader response criticism, literary, cri- you know, just all these different modes. And I just I, don't sit into just one is basically my argument. Let things be fluid and free and not stagnant when it comes to analy- analysis as well as, uh, you know, trying to find a meaning behind a story. But what I'm usually fascinated in myself is the way people perceive creepypasta, especially the sort of fandoms that have sprung up around specific characters like Jeff the Killer or Slenderman. Because, as I've stated before, I don't quite grasp it myself. But this is because I'm a snob when it comes to stories. So I look for, I gravitate toward fiction that is well-crafted and well-written. Yeah, and I think that there's this gravitation to those kinds of things because of young people on the internet, and that doesn't give it a that doesn't offer an excuse because there's plenty of stuff that children like that is clearly clearly um, able to be picked apart and analyzed and be very. Uh, robust on the back of the ballot if that makes any sense oh yes no i i know what you mean like um there's tons of children's cartoons and, and stuff that do a very nice job of um being a great viewing experience for an adult mind and a child mm-hmm. and speak- then you have jeff the killer which is stupid for everyone <laughs> it's true i was gonna say speaking of um children's programming um uh, i mean 1999 does deal with that a lot and isn't I know I'm spoiling things ahead of time here real quick, but um, isn't that doesn't that get delved into a little in the really fantastic comment you are about to share? Yeah, so this was posted on Tumblr by Creepo Tales. Um, I really love what you guys are doing with the series, though, uh, so, uh, so far. Both Undercooked and... Uh, <laughs> undercooked in general in 1999 in specific. And since you're looking for comments, here are a few things I think you guys haven't touched on, but are pretty important. Jesus Christ, these things are really important. We did not notice any of these things. It's yeah. amazing that well, we this, didn't. This is why it's. This is why we need you guys. Except for the second thing, because we wouldn't just 
we would, unless you have a passing knowledge of the second one, you wouldn't know about it. But number one, in the same vein as Ubi probably lending to Booby, Mr. S- uh, Bear Seller seems uh, to me almost like, cer- like it's certainly inspired by a real show, Bear in the Big Blue House. Mm. Yes, I'm familiar with this show, and it's kind of amazing that we didn't see this. It's also interesting because the bear costume in the story is supposed to be a really ragged, not very high quality one. Yeah, it's a Jesus Christ. The bear in the big blue house, that was a quality bear puppet. That was some in- they or had some- person or whatever. One thing I give props to about Bear in the Big Blue House is it does have some good puppetry overall. Uh bear the bear itself is a pretty is is a pretty intense feat of, of puppetry, um from what I recall. And um there were some other good ones too, like the shadow that told stories. That was pretty cool. And they would delve into sort of like silhouette puppetry, which was really neat. And you know my thing about condescension with kids. I just hate stuff that's condescending to kids and uh insults their intelligence. Bear right. in the Big Blue House was one of those like uh shows where it was like, Hey, come on in my house and let's just like chill out for thirty minutes. And a lot of those shows were terrible and condescending, but that show really wasn't. It was, like, very inviting. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go into this strange cartoon bear's house. It's funny because you say that and you think it's just going to be wacky, dumb shenanigans, but it's not. Usually there's 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 kind of a this really sweet sincerity to the whole show that I recall. That's that's the word I'm looking for, sincerity. It's very sincere. It's It's kind of, especially, you know, you think at the... We're just going to have weird fan memories over what we remember about Bear. But I always loved how at the end he goes and talks to the moon and they just have a conversation and they sing a really sweet song. And that was turned into a really funny bit in a YouTube poop that we both love. (laughs) That's right. But that show even had the same sort of Bear as caregiver dynamic that Mr. Bear seems to have, uh, seems to be portraying. And that's a very astute point as well. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, you could, you could, I mean, when did Bear in the Big Blue House, do we know when that premiered? Because I seem to recall it being maybe about that far back, or at least the early 2000s. I remember it being a kid show, like a, like a small child show, when I wasn't a small child. Same. And I was still like, man, this show's good. Yeah, there's, like I said, it's the, it's the kind of show that you feel like you could sit down with, like, your little sibling or your cousin or or even not maybe you're just channel flipping you're like ah, everything's so ugh, like everything's so ragged and hard right now let me just like everything's just depressing and then you see this friendly bear it's just like hey come on in and you're like okay i'll hang out with bear for a little bit uh roll a spliff with this bear um <laughs> part two uh the mcmartin preschool trial you mentioned that you work with kids, so I kind of expected you to bring this up when Satan, when the Satanism thing came up in the story. We did, as I'm know sure it. you are aware. We're not. We were not aware. <laughs> there was this whole thing in the late '80s and early '90s with a panic about satanic ritual abuse of children. That is fucking metal. McMartin <laughs> Preschool was the focus of this biggest trial of the whole thing, and it included claims of children being taken to secret underground places where they were abused as part of an act of satanic worship. Holy and the shit. connection of the young children, Satan, and being taken underground when abducted, abducted 
definitely seems to me to be echoed in what happens with Mr. Bear. And while I don't think it shoved, uh, I don't think it showed up in the McMartin preschool trial, some of the other satanic ritual abuse allegations involved claims of child sacrifice. Oh shit! Did not know about this. Um, Neither did very I. interesting. I definitely need to go find a documentary about this now. <laughs> I assume a documentary about it exists, especially if there's there was a. There's gotta be. Yeah. Oh man. <sighs> well, that's actually that's enlightening. That's definitely enlightening to me, and does uh, might give us some additional like insights into what's going on in this story. So, uh, just for that fact alone, like my my hats off to you, Creepo Tales. And that's one of those things where when it's talked about in a very. Um, cold and detached manner, as you might see in a news report. Um, it doesn't feel as creepy. It's kind of like, oh, look at this terrible thing happening in the news. But when it's kind of described from a personal perspective, mm-hmm. if, if you were involved in some of this abuse, um, that is very much so a horror story for you, a real-life horror story. And I like it when... Scary stories uh, borrow heavily from real life and kind of take something that can actually really happen and show how it feels inescapable, like you're trapped in a nightmare kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe this story is inspired by that. And if it is, maybe it should go a little further. I think that... um, if if this is indeed an inspiration, then they're showing some restraint. The author is. Oh yeah. Hmm. Because that's pretty. It's pretty crazy. The whole thing about secret underground places is just bananas. Storm drains and. <laughs> and then um, three. I don't seem to recall you guys touching on this in part two, but maybe you did. The police mentioned that they never had a suspect in the local in the Caldon local twenty one case. But that seems pretty implausible to me for one simple reason. Property records. Oh. Yeah, how did we miss that? I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, mm. Actually, never mind. I was thinking about it and I was just waiting for you to bring it up, so. Wait, me? Yeah. Oh, it's too late now. It's too late now. Okay, I guess I have to bring it up. Um, they would be able to find out who owned the house that station was broadcast out of yeah and while yeah maybe they don't have any leads it seemed absurd to me that there wouldn't be a suspect and that's very true there's no reason that they couldn't just have a suspect invested uh, investigated and it you know ultimately go cold and not really lead anywhere if that had been a factor you know that was i feel like that was kind of sitting in the back of my mind but it didn't get brought up and i so i didn't think about it but you, you need more than one person to fact check a story like this, you know what I mean? Right. And that's why this discussion is very helpful to have people pull it in like this and give us this extra information that we might just not uh, have picked up along the way. Yeah. And this this person just really noticed that and we didn't. Yeah, so that's good, because that's this is this is um damn, this is <laughs> something we will have to keep an eye out for in the future. But you could easily solve this problem by having the house be rented out, like be owned by someone, and then someone was just paying cash to own the house, 
could be out. I mean, it was out in the um, middle of nowhere, isn't it? Isn't Caldon like a rural place? Not it's, like it's a small, it's a small like bumfuck nowhere kind of town. Yeah, so you you could very easily just be like, yeah, we we talked to the person who owned the house at the time that you know was being rented out, and you know they just paid cash. The name was fake, whatever. You know, it doesn't have to lead anywhere. Right. You can just lampshade it. That didn't, but that, but, but, and that's an easy way to, to handle it, but that's not what happened in the story. Nope. So. Hmm. Time to actually read it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. But, uh, thank you, Creepo Tales, for your feedback. Um, and, uh, you know, if anybody out, out there is curious, Creepo Tales himself is a writer of Creepypasta and has a few things on the Tumblr of the same name. I've read a couple so far, and they're pretty good. Um, you maybe put that in the low bar. Huh? Put that in the low bar. In the, <laughs> in the dibbly-doo or whatever. In the... His, his uh, Tumblr. Oh, yeah. I'll do that. I'll do that down there in the description. That's that... what I'm plugging. <laughs> I'm not plugging my channel. I'm plugging this guy's Tumblr. <laughs> there, isn't there... There's something else you want to plug, though, right? Surely. Yeah, at some point. All right, well, we'll get to that eventually. Uh, but let's get right. Let's get to the story while we're at it. Um, but yeah, uh, we're actually up to um, January sixteenth, twenty fourteen. So we're actually drawing ever nearer to the present. So uh, do you want me to start this one? Yeah, you start, and I'll uh, pick up it. Paint with the soul. All right, that sounds good. All right, here we go. It's been a long year for me. University has been giving me the usual sleepless nights, especially since I transferred to Ottawa, which is the place to party. Sarcasm. And uh, I just want to interject there that um, as non-Canadians, we, we're just going to have to assume that the, the author is being considerate to non-Canadians by pointing out that Ottawa is, I guess, a boring place. Yeah, and you couldn't just insert parentheses sarcasm if this was a formal story. So the blog thing really helps out in that way. Uh-huh. Yeah, but anyway. Ugh. But now I'm back home with my dad in Brampton, the town I grew up in. I got home on the 18th of December and have been visiting with friends and family. Or at least that's what I would rather have done. Now that festive holiday cheer that I usually have at this time of the month is absent. To answer the hundreds of emails and comments I got, yes, I did see the tapes of my dad's friend, Mitchell Wilson, promised to show me. These tapes, however, act as a curse. I want to know more, yet I want to forget everything. I couldn't help it. I needed to see those tapes. Not only for myself, but for all the all of you guys who are just as intrigued as I am by that ominous man in the bear suit from my past. However, after viewing those tapes, I feel that pit of dread deep inside me once again. That feeling where I know that all those kids in those videos are dead. That I could have been one of those kids. And that humanity is a dark dark place if you haven't skipped this paragraph for the juicier details below thank you for listening to my rambling do how about you go on and we'll pick it apart later yeah let's do that i best to just press on because i i you know there are things i want to say on friday wednesday january 1st i called mitchell wilson and asked if there was a time i could come by to view the tapes things are pretty slow at the station because of a snowstorm so he said i could come down anytime that day the tapes were located in a branch not too far from me. 
So I braved the slushy roads and a terrible Brampton drivers and made my way to the Peel Regional Police Station, located at the uh, Bermalia City Center. I met Wilson at the front desk, where he then led me to the second floor and into a small office. He instructed me to have a seat and wait while he went to get the tapes. Before leaving the office, he turned to me and said, I know you're curious, but are you sure you want to do this? Of course I did, or at least I thought so. Besides, uh, Wilson's friend had pulled a lot of strings to get me there, and I didn't want to waste the opportunity. This particular station had four tapes on hand. I was only allowed to watch three of them, however, because the fourth tape was apparently too damaged to be played on a VCR. Okay, so I like the part about, if you haven't skipped this paragraph for the juicier bits, that's wonderful, because whenever you can play off this story like it's nothing special... Props, because <laughs> you don't want you don't want creepypasta to be labeled as creepypasta, really. You want it to be like, oh, here's just this random thing. It's like, here's these tapes that my you know college friend had, and it's like, oh no, the Slender Man's on. That's that's good because you're just lampshading the fact that oh, this is just a personal blog. Don't don't worry, I'm just rambling. Yeah, exactly. And also this uh, fascination with something that horrifies you is, I think, an integral nature, uh, an integral component to creepypasta. Mm -hmm. And people often talk about it as being this Lovecraftian thing. Um, I think it's kind of different in that case because you're just like losing your insanity by looking at this creepy thing. In this case, it's like you're it's it's more down to earth and real it's like i need some sort of closure even if it hurts right because i need to know even if it hurts it's because he was our our narrator was so close to the center of all this you know elliot as like elliot keeps saying i could have been one of those kids i could have died i could have been killed by this bear this mr bear for his weird satanic ritual nonsense and and I just, I just, I just need to know why. I just need to know what I, what I had a brush with, you know. And, it, and it's almost like maybe I'm going too far here, but it's almost like um, survivor syndrome. Survivor's like guilt. Like uh, yeah, survivor's guilt. It's almost like he was the the next one to potentially be killed, and it's just like this small chance that, you know, the the whole thing fell through by then. So he he could have some form of survivor skill. Yeah, it's and it, it's interesting because it could almost be sort of a weird retroactive survivor's guilt because it seems like it's only just recently, like since he started this blog, that it hit him. I mean, he started it kind of as a result of vaguely remembering the show, but um, but now the more he delves in, the more the more it's coming back to him, the more he it's hitting him, and he's realizing. Yeah, he he probably told himself that he was writing this for no reason. Yeah. But it's probably not true. No, he he's somewhere somewhere in his subconscious this was there was a need to do this, a need to tell this story. Do you have any more positive things to say before we get to the thing that we've dreaded about this? Um <laughs> No, not really. Um I think we're good. Um Why the fuck? Are the tapes at different police stations? Uh, Why? We still don't Why? have a. We still don't have a. 
We still don't have a fucking good explanation for that. And that's... A lot of the other things can kind of be forgiven, because it's just like, oh, you didn't consider that, but maybe there is a, you know, a way to retcon it, like the whole you know, property uh, information and everything. There's a way where you can fix that mistake. I don't know how you would fix why the fuck are there tapes at different police stations. Well, at least in the case of this one, um, the fact that they that these were missing tapes that they had found, not at different police stations, but at a public library. Maybe. I mean, that's, that's okay. To me, that's okay, but... Um... I think this is the flimsiest. I think this is the flimsiest part of the story. Because yeah. even even when there was some front loading, it was still just chock full of good ideas. Which is why we wanted to see it keep going. I mean, yeah. I'm usually not the biggest fan of the front loading, which is why when I initially came to the story, I'm going to be completely honest. When I initially approached this story for Undercooked, I was going to be like, let's explore a creepy pasta that is really well known, but maybe not that great. And I have been pleasant, present, bleh, pleasantly surprised in my like case study of this with you. Like, yeah, this has been a really interesting ride, and uh, if, but if it's not without another, its flaws. So, no, if another part of the story was uploaded right now, we would finish this and go read it. Oh, we would. We and, are... and immediately record. We would we we'd probably just want to get our our practically just our, our gut reactions our cold reactions we are we are hooked we are in this for the long haul at this point. oh yes so hopefully we'll be able to get to get up to speed tonight with this one we'll see how well that goes all right let's dive into uh, uh, paint with the soul paint with the soul episode three how to dust a room I had almost forgotten about this show I never did see it on TV but I did see the one episode at the Caledon uh, police station. This episode opened up, uh, opened up with a camera panning all around a small, empty room. This is getting a little Alan tutorial in here. There was a <laughs> window on the wall opposite of the door. Outside, it was light out. The cameraman walked towards the window, revealing a small clearing before a dark, thick forest about 15 feet away from the window. The cameraman panned around to face the door, and finally spoke. Today, I'm going to show you how to properly dust a, a room. Oh my God, this is really Alan tutorial. This is really Alan tutorial. <laughs> Let, let's get to the end of this paragraph and then, or end, end of this episode, and then we can talk a little bit about Alan tutorial. I recognize the cameraman's voice as the same from the before, uh, as the same from before. Quiet timid only this time with a clear stutter now here's where things got weird the can mm, i don't know that i like that because yeah, it's already it's already like... building it's already building suspense you don't need that yeah the cameraman aimed aimed the camera at his feet revealing a metal broomstick and grabbed it with his free hand his hand was that of a white male so it was easy to see the flesh bright red uh bright red blood that covered it. The man then explained that in order to get the room nice and dusted, you had to make sacrifices. And with that, the man began to smash the white plaster ceiling with a broomstick. Soon, there was a uh, significant hole in the ceiling 
revealing wooden slats that made up the roof. The floor was now pretty mess, uh, messed up with chunks of ceiling littering the floor, as well as a coating of plaster from the ceiling. The man aimed the camera at the floor and began to smash the larger ceiling pieces with his feet. The man then backed up to the door and had the camera show the mess he had crafted. And that's... Now the room is... is and the episode finished before he... Uh, the episode ended before he could finish. Wilson warned me that the next two tapes were more disturbing. I insisted to keep watching, although a voice in the back of my head told me I shouldn't. Don't do it! See, Although, I, totally, you should. That part right there about Wilson saying the next two are disturbing, that's fine, because Wilson isn't our narrator, you know? No. So, but it, it changes the dynamic of uh, saying, you know, there's something disturbing here. You know, why Why wouldn't he say something's disturbing here? Well, he's, or he's at least he's saying the other two are more disturbing. Like, there's definitely something really off about what just happened in the previous tape which is um which is completely understandable but the the uh, whatever happens after is going to be way more obvious um because again this is wilson talking and knowing yeah. what we know knowing what we know about mr bear and to an extent what we now know about alan tutorial yeah i think that the whole uh opening tension of this of the room and the build-up to the window i think that that's all quality oh definitely i like that i like that elliot really gives us details you can tell he's he's looking for anything at this point to help him connect uh where things are happening in real time so he identifies the window the forest beyond it and he's like you're thinking to yourself okay where is that where what room is this is this the house where caldon local 21 was broadcast is this somewhere else entirely and uh now you you know that we're we're about as hungry as elliot is for answers and he's giving us all this info because he knows it and, you know, it's very, um, it's a very simple kind of effect that is being achieved here. It's not, a, it's not a giant, you know, intricate image being woven. It's, pr it's pretty simple. Mm hmm And it's effective, so. Um, yeah. Um, um <laughs> I don't know how much we really want to talk about Alan Tutorial, because that's a giant fucking subject. Oh, man. But I think that there's a, a sort of, uh, connection here, and... Maybe now knowing about Alan Tutorial, it's not um, entirely original, this part? No, but we didn't, you know, at the time when I first read this, I didn't know about Alan Tutorial. And now I do, and it makes an interesting connection. Like, it makes you wonder if our author, and, and I, as far as I know, Alan Tutorial existed for a pretty long time. Before, before. this, yeah. Yeah, so I'm definitely getting that vibe. And now you got to wonder if the, the author of the story uh, knows about it as well. We're not going to delve into what Alan Tutorial is specifically. If you don't know about it, look it up. It's it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, a guy named uh, Nick Nocturne, who just started making videos, does a wonderful job of explaining it. That's how we got introduced to it. I am so jealous, jealous of, that guy. of yeah. Nick Nocturne. And uh, I'm going to poke him at some point and see if he wants to come and hang out with us sometime <laughs> but yeah even even though this is pretty much borrowing from that there's this is the shotgun approach of a bunch of different ideas so maybe it's not so bad because 
there's clearly a lot of originality in this mm -hmm. story already, so, you know. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? You never know. Right. I mean, there's, it's people keep saying there's no such thing as original fiction. I'm like, yeah, but... It's it's a matter of making it your own, and so I can't really be mad at that section too much because well I'm I'm not mad at it either. I mean, really, what what Alan Tutorial did as well is is kind of evocative of you know found footage kind of stuff in itself, you know. Mm -hmm. So it just it's just building and building and building on some on ideas. Yeah. So, um, are you going to do booby? I guess I'll do booby, and then you can do the Mister Better Seller that follows that. Yep. Hmm. Booby, Episode 30, Children of the Light. It was Booby, one of the shows I had actually watched as a kid. I had never seen this episode before, and now I wish that was still true. The episode opened up the same way as every other episode I had seen. A single adult hand, Booby, was rocking back and forth. After a few seconds, Booby turned towards the camera and said, Songs are some of the best, when sung by children. The hand then disappeared out of view below the table. After a few more seconds, suddenly the picture cut to outside, aiming at a bonfire in a small pit. It was night, and it appeared to be in a small clearing in the forest, although it was hard to tell because of the camera quality. The camera then zoomed in on, into the fire and was burning fairly steadily. Suddenly, a human hand was forced into the fire by a pair of adult human hands. The hand was small, presumably belonging to a child, and was being held firmly in place by two larger hands. Sound was absent for the first two seconds until a song began playing. The song I recognized from my childhood. I would sing it in church or at school. I went to a Catholic elementary school. If you don't know it, here's a link to the YouTube video, Children of the Light. Uh, that song began playing as the hand was being held in the orange flames. It continued as the hand struggled to escape the larger hand's grip. It continued as the flesh of the hand began to turn beet red and peel away. It continued as dark smoke began rising from the hand. It must have taken only a few minutes for the hand to become blackened, save for the few instances of white bone visible under the charred flesh. Fuck. That image is burned into my mind. The hand was now limp. It no longer moved. The episode then ended. Greedy or not greedy? Um... I kind of want to say it's a little greedy. I think it's a little greedy. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good image, but again, it's it. I'm definitely getting the vibe of, mm, not not try hard, but yeah, it's it's getting greedy. And when was this written? This was uh, 2014. This is the first mm. entry of 2014. Mm, yeah. January. After I already wrote scouted. Wrote the story already. Oh. It's copying off me now. Oh, it's no. copying off Alan Resnick and he's copying off me. <laughs> I think the um, the idea of like just holding the hand in there is really good. Yeah. You don't need to show it being burnt. Yeah. Well, the thing that scouted you did with scouted was it was just like you you can fill in the rest of the picture yourself. Someone's just got shoved, you know, an appendage or someone just being shoved into a fire. And then this is, yeah. that's you don't need to know more than that. That's you know yeah. what happens. Your mind goes to that. We didn't need the excruciating detail being given by like you'd think you'd think Elliot would be like, oh god, it it like he just say it showed that it lingered on the hand. I watched it burn. 
Like that it, that would be effective could, in itself. Yeah, you could say uh, it lingered on the hand, and then you know define. You could say it seemed like it lingered on the hand, but it actually ended really quickly. It felt like an hour, but it was ten seconds. Yeah, there you go. Um, because we know that it's not right already. Mm-hmm. And what I was doing with that story was more about you know. Uh, someone's perceptions of what it is to be a young boy and how it's not as easy as some people think it is. Mm-hmm. And this isn't that. This is um, purely about ritual, I think. I mean, yeah. it's pretty clearly so. Uh, the even name drop, Catholic Elementary, you know? Yep. We're where, getting where, further... Where he, Elliot was a senior kindergarten student. <laughs> oh, those those weird, weird... Kanyadins. Yep. Mr. Bear's Cellar, Episode 30. Mr. Bear never ceases to disturb me, especially after what almost happened when I was younger. This episode took place outside of a forest at dusk, making it slightly hard to see, especially considering the quality of the film, a trademark of anything from Caldon Local 21. This episode started with the camera being held in the paws of Mr. Bear, aiming it at himself. Now, I just want to say, now that we have the the bear in the big blue house connection, I almost want to see Mr. Bear come up and go, what's that smell? (laughs) It's you! (laughs) To the camera. Oh, man, that show's so good. <laughs> oh, my God, I need to go watch Bear in the Big Blue House now. I think we're when we when we get through this disturbing, disturbing read, we're both going to go watch Bear in the Big Blue House. <laughs> you can find it anywhere. Oh, uh, it's the Internet. We'll find it. Yeah. Some things are lost, though. Have you ever tried to, like, do you remember Sheep in the Big City? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It has. Wow. It's lost the time. It really is. No one has copies of it anywhere. It does not exist anymore. Oh. I hadn't thought about if that you want, show if you in want to, years. If you want the fact that it is possible for things to just be lost media, oh my god, that just disappeared. If, if There's any like of you, two minutes of it on YouTube somewhere and that's it. It's if weird. Any, if any of you remember Sheep in the Big City, leave a comment. <laughs> oh my god, we're gonna like... This is a, this is a real life horror story. We're gonna like find people who have, like, VHS copies of it, and it's going to be a lot more disturbing than we remember. Oh, God, this is going to be like Candle Cove, but for real. Yeah. Oh, man. That bear mask. It looked more sinister in the shadows of the trees. The unmistakable muffled voice spoke up. Hello, children. Today, I will be doing a wonderful thing for my friends. I will be delivering them. To a faraway land, where they will surely be happy. Mr. Bear turned to the camera, uh, turned the camera around to show an ATV attached to a trailer, but stood um, out. But what stood out the most was that the trailer contains seven motionless children lying side by side. I don't know why this is getting my funny bone, but it is. The fact that you're laughing is just making me laugh. <laughs> This here is the first load, but more will be on their way soon. Mr. Bear turned around and pointed the camera at a large burlap tarp spread on the ground. Um, 
I don't think this is greedy. I think this is perfect. This is this is good. There's something creepy. Just they get we don't get details yet. They're motionless and they're just lying in this thing. And it's just that's a creepy image. And I don't I don't know. There's just something nice about something weird like an ATV, like a back back country kind of thing. Uh huh. That's the only place where you have ATVs. It's very good uh, world building. Oh, definitely. He picked up the tarp, revealing a large hole that must have been at least 12 feet deep and maybe about 15 feet wide. The rest of the episode consisted of Mr. Bear taking each kid and dropping them into the hole. I asked asked Wilson if they were dead, to which he shook his head and replied, Not yet. Soon all the kids were in the pit. Some were in awkward positions due to being tossed. But they remained unconscious. The vitamin C will surely help these children on their journey that awaits them. Mr. Bear mentioned as he panned the camera towards multiple bottles of gasoline beside a bush. The camera zoomed in on the bottles as Mr. Bear hummed before the episode ended. Wilson revealed to me that these were seven of the 16 victims found burnt to a crisp. The gasoline is what the man playing Mr. Bear used to light them on fire. The pit was full of burning children. Who the fuck would do that? And that feeling of dread found me once again. And I realized that I could have been one of those kids. Wilson then explained to me that he previously lied when he said that the fourth tape was owned by Bromelia Police Branch. Uh, by the Bromelia Police uh, did indeed work and contained the film of the actual burning. However, he felt that I wouldn't be able to handle the graphic and disturbing nature of this episode. And you know what? Maybe I can't. Maybe I don't even want to see it. I'm satisfied for now. But I need some time to get myself together. The thing is, the man who ran Countdown Local 21 is still out there. More to come soon, Elliot. So, I think that this is um, That's a pretty good damn point, good. By the way. I, I, oh, God. There's uh, the the detail that really gets to me personally as both a really delightfully disturbing and like just it, it's the idea of him picking up these kids and just unceremoniously dropping them in this hole, making this pile, this weird pile of like dead to the world children. And you just know what's going to happen to them. And it's just, ugh. you know, I, I love it whenever the term journey is used because <laughs> journey can be a very disturbing thing it, it's almost always referring to cold activities or that band or that one song that people always bring up at karaoke you know i'm, I'm sorry what song you know don't stop oh yeah even by journey by journey yes <laughs> um the the framing of this 
is really good because Mr. Bear is is either really convinced that he's not doing something bad or is uh, very good at playing a character, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not really clear which one it is, but I think, like, the whole vitamin C thing is... There's something really gross about that line, you know? Yeah. Oh. And I think this might... Maybe you can contextualize this as these are tapes that weren't necessarily aired. Mm-hmm. That maybe... Um, some of these episodes were aired, and by the time the more graphic ones were aired, the police were already investigating, and it didn't happen long. Right. And uh, the idea that something like this could happen where they have the burnt bodies, I think in this bit it's handled better, and it's kind of... um, There's a lot of poise in this part, Mm -hmm. where he's saying things like... uh, um, the gasoline is what the man playing Mr. Bear used to light them on fire. That's an unbelievably obvious statement. I was, yeah. but he just, but he just doesn't want there to be any ambiguity about it. Mm-hmm. He's not saying the gasoline is what they used to light them on fire. He's saying the gasoline is what Mr. Bear used to light them on fire. Mm-hmm. A pit full of burning children. Like it, there's gravity to that line even though it's obvious Mm -hmm. even though he doesn't need to say it it's the character kind of trying to detach themselves from it so they don't get too emotional you know what i mean yeah but anyway do you have anything to say on this one um the only thing i want to add is how are you going to top this because this is top-notch scary stuff right here well it's almost like this is uh, the end, you know? It feels it's, it feels that way, you know? It feels pretty definitive. There, I believe it's open to where it can continue to be updated, but it's written in such a way as uh, if the person doesn't want to write this anymore, that is a good conclusion. And I don't like the term satisfying conclusion because um, a creepypasta should be pretty dissatisfying at the end. Yeah. But... It should. It should. Ha- it does wrap everything else up ni- nicely. Yeah. And tells you what you really need to know or what can be told. Oh, definitely. But anyway, if you have ideas, I'm. Um. All. Yeah. Basically, it just. It feels like. It. It feels like. A, it feels like a conclusion. And the thing is, what more do we really need to know about Mister Bear at this point? I mean, it seems pretty obvious. He was some disturbed individual who believed that he had to sacrifice these children for Satan. I mean, even not knowing all the answers, we have a pretty clear picture. So the fact that it keeps going says that there, it gives me the idea that maybe we are still drawing conclusions that aren't necessarily what is happening, you know? Mm-hmm. That, or Elliot himself is like, no, that's not satisfying enough. So he's almost pressing on for the people who aren't satisfied with that conclusion. Like you said, it's not really a satisfying conclusion, but it feels conclusive. Um, and, and I just and, don't know how you're gonna how the story is gonna top that image. There's something oh, and, and just you the know, implications. It, oh, so good. It, it might not need to top this if it doesn't go on forever. And l- let's just ballpark this and just speak hypothetically. Okay. If this had 
two more updates past what is completely written about 1999 thus far. And those two updates don't come close to topping this. It's perfectly fine because that's the kind of denouement that you want in a story like this. Mm-hmm. That, that you would want in a serialized creepypasta like this. Right. Where, like, guess what, guys? I found the worst part of this. And I'm just telling you, here it is. And then it's just like, I found more information. It's like, realistically, that information is not going to be more disturbing than this. Right. Because we already know this is pretty much where it ended. So if there's more horrors going on, it probably is something that the police don't know about and that he couldn't know about. Probably didn't involve the channel itself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Good, good it, stuff. No, it is. It is good stuff. Um, so, having covered that entry, we've only got a couple more. Yeah. What's this uh, I N R I thing? I don't see. That's what I'm wondering about. Why don't we read it and then let's figure it out? Oh no, that's um. I no, I mean those, I, those I, are lyrics being paraphrased from the song "Children of the Light." Oh. I think he, I think these are the rewritten lyrics. Well, uh, hold on. Let's let's give it a read yeah. and then we'll consider it. I N R I. Once upon a time, there lived a boy named Elliot. Elliot was a clever boy who loved playing with his friends. One day, he watched a lovely television show about a bear and his children friends. The children loved helping each other as good children should, but they also loved the bear. The bear loved the children, since the children were so good at helping him and the fallen angel. The children and the bear wanted to play forever, with the help of their friend Booby. But the fallen fallen angel needed even more help, so the children had to give the ultimate sacrifice. Because that's what friends do, Elliot. They help each other. Help us, Elliot. Burn with us, Elliot. I want you, Elliot. He wants you, Elliot. Come back to my cellar. Pretty please with sugar and icing on top. Mr. B. I-N-R-I. Okay, I don't think those are lyrics. I did... I don't... I don't know where what the context is for this being shared, though. Yeah. Like, um... did, someone, did someone hack Elliot's blog and put that in there? I don't think so. Um, Did Elliot find that somewhere and put it in? I just, or is it this? Let's find out afterwards and either put an annotation in with our answer or uh-huh. leave a comment because I, I don't know. Okay. Well, one thing we could do is maybe maybe what's coming up will help enlighten us a little bit to the purpose of this odd thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always, it's it's pretty cheap. But but you know how I feel about cheap. Cheap doesn't mean bad. Right. It's pretty cheap to do a nursery rhyme with horrifying content hidden in it. But it's done in such a way to where it's not um, so ham-fisted. Because there's, there's bits of it that aren't uh, necessarily over the top. Right. Mixed in with parts that are. So it's fine. It's pretty well composed this little bit. Because mm-hmm. we have uh, ambiguous 
crazy statements that we can't really understand, like the bear loved the children since the children were so good at helping him and the fallen angel. You know, we don't really know what that means. It's just the ravings of a mad person. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it could lead to something. Um, but that's that's quality. Uh, and it shows you this person's mindset and shows you that they really do kind of believe this stuff. They are drinking their own Kool-Aid, whoever <laughs> Mr. Bear is. Oh, definitely. Uh, you want me to take this part? Um, If you want to. Um. To, but I'd like to read the, the next episode. Okay. Uh, 4, 14, 15. I wanted to update more. I truly did. However, certain circumstances had turned me off from the whole Caldon Local 21 thing. I've since had hundreds of emails about my blog and was even in contact with a magazine about my story. But now, uh, now is the time to come clean to everyone. Where have I been for an entire year? The story of Pandora's box is true. And I opened it. I opened it last June when I watched the fourth tape in possession of the Bromelia police branch. The other subject I'd like to address is the number of joke, fake emails I've been getting from people claiming to be Mr. Bear. Let's start with the fourth tape. This is what traumatized me into stopping my search temporarily. Is this the same tape that he was warned about? Yeah, so I think in the period of the year, some point he watched the tape. Uh Uh-huh. Probably probably not in the last... It's certainly not in the last bit. No. It had to have happened... Uh, all it says in June, so yeah. Right. Um, after a few weeks of playing silent, I decided to ask Miss Mitchell Wilson if I could view the infamous Ford tape he had failed to talk about. I don't know why. I just felt that viewing the tape would give me some closure. Wilson was obviously reluctant to show me, but I was persistent. I hate he had gave uh, he had gave me an offer if I was still interested by the time I turned twenty to show me the tape. Not being able to do much else, I was playing the waiting game, just playing the waiting game. By the time I turned twenty in June, I was definitely still interested interested in viewing the tape. He I gave Wilson a call, in which he admitted that he had hoped I would forget about the whole. Uh, thing asking him again but I was not taking no for an answer you really don't need to see it he kept telling me but I did need to see it I had to at some point sure enough he invited me to the Bromelia branch one Monday afternoon having watched every saw film and a video of animal slaughterhouse in my ethics class I was sure I would be able to handle whatever the tape could throw at me. How optimistic I was. I watched Saw. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, I, think that that's, I think that's a good bit because it mm-hmm. is just showing how naive he was. Mm-hmm. And whenever, you know what? That's, a, you that, can that's an important drops, thing. Oh, sorry. Oh, whenever you can like name drop stuff like that um, to get 
an initial image in someone's head and then do a waffle statement, like a half-hearted statement of like, that was me at the time. I was naive or um, the whole, like, I got these messages and they could be real, but they could be fake. Like, hedging your bets is really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's something that this author excels at is hedging their bets in such a way as to doubt themselves and say, look, I'm on this journey too. Don't journey. I'm on this journey too. I don't know if this is real, blah, blah, blah. So I think it's a a good technique to use here. No, I I agree. And one other thing to keep in mind too is that um, you and I are both a, you know, a decent amount older than this author, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because you can kind of look at it from like a kind of recognizing that when you're 20, you you think you're, when you first turn 20, you're like, well, you still kind of think you're the shit, or at least for a bit. Like you've, you've yeah. hit adulthood, you're ready. You're not. <laughs> not really. So I, I, can, I can empathize with Elliot here a little bit. I mean, I probably wouldn't watch the tape myself, but. That burning curiosity is still there. Did I use yeah. it? I, I I was not pun intended, by the way. I'm 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 serious. <laughs> burning curiosity. Oh god. Uh, um. What was I going to say? Oh. Um. Yeah, about that curiosity. It it really is becoming clear that he has he he keeps telling himself. But he wants closure, and that almost feels like a lie. Mm-hmm. I'm starting. To it feel almost that way sounds too. like he's lying to himself. Yeah, he just he just wants he wants all the details, and we can't quite pin down at this point. Even maybe he can't quite pin down to himself these are why he wants all these details. And he's using the phrase, um, "I don't know why, I just felt that," and then he says, "Viewing the tape would give me some closure." The whole "I don't know why, I just felt that." is, again, putting doubt about our author into our minds. Not that he's an unreliable narrator, just that he might not be very honest with himself. Right. And, and, so, and that, that, that puts something there just in case down the line something changes with, uh, with Elliot. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the fourth tape. Mr. Bear's Cellar, episode 31. When... When Wilson went to collect the tape from evidence, the officer in charge of the evidence room shook his head at me, his face saying, What are you doing? Wilson explained that the tape includes the last known of that last known episode of Mr. Bear's Cellar. I rightfully assumed that I would be seeing the fate of the children. I began to feel a sense of dread. The episode opened inside a forest, the usual one from the previous episodes. This fact took me a while to realize because it was night. The trees and leaves just looked like shapes dancing around in the darkness. A faint glow of light was present on the side of the screen. There wasn't any apparent audio. It appeared to be a windy night, yet the trees weren't making any noise. Slowly, the camera began to pan towards the glow, revealing smoke rising from a hole with the tips of flames peeking over the top. Wilson paused at this point. Are you sure you want to see this? He asked me. I insisted on it, even though a voice in my head was telling me not to. Don't do it! There's a... That 
paragraph is really good tension building. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, well, because we, we, we know what we're, we pretty much know what we're going to see at this point. And yeah, like, and... Like, just the build-up to that is, is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the video continued. The cameraman moved towards the hole, showing a pit of fire. This was the hole that I had seen in the previous episode. Only this time it was filled with shapes. I I could see shapes moving around, f- fluttering, flailing, some motionless. I, I knew perfectly well what they were. The camera began to adjust to the light and... Burning flesh, red, black... A blur of surreal movement and colors. I, I wish I could forget what I saw, but you can't forget a scene like this. This was not a horror movie. This was reality. Human beings being killed in a horrifying way. A fate that I could have potentially met. The video suddenly cut to dawn, the camera now positioned farther away from the hole. The fire was out, however, there was still smoke smoldering up. A figure was up ahead. I recognized it right away. The Mr. Bear suit was laid on the ground. Empty, it looked just as unnerving. The suit was laid out in the shape of a cross. The cameraman did a lap around the suit, treating it like a treasured artifact. Placed at the head of the suit was a sign. In bold red letters, INRI was painted. The cameraman moved back to the end of the suit, zooming into the bear's face. The episode finally ended. I was speechless. It was like a dream. You can find a lot of terrible things on the internet, but I had never seen anything like this. Wilson asked if I was okay, and I replied with a shaky yes. I assured him that we, as we left, that I was fine, and the video gave me some sort some closure over the whole incident. He didn't seem too confident in me, but he left it at that. He was right, though. I had nightmares for weeks. I gave up. I didn't care about the whole thing anymore. A sick man burned a bunch of kids alive, attracting them with a fake kids TV channel. I could have been one of his victims. Yet I'm still here. I suppose I should be grateful, but I feel guilty. Am I still here only by pure luck? Ten months later, I'm back, and now I need to address something else. My email has been flooded with messages. Some people ask for more details, some ask if I can upload the tapes, and some people email me claiming to be Mr. Bear. First, I cannot get the tapes uploaded because they're A... In police, cus- in police evidence, and B, I have no idea how to get VHS onto the computer. Now that people pretending to be Mr. Bear, now to the people pretending to be Mr. Bear, you're not fooling me. When you have dozens of people pretending to be the same person, it doesn't work. I've even seen a fake Caldon Local 21 YouTube channel, which is cute, but still not real. Even more annoying is the fact that someone hacked my account just to put up some demented poem about me on this blog. There's our answer. There we go. I'll leave it in the entry above this one, just to show you guys. I have contacted an admin about this entry, and I was told the entry was posted on Halloween. Ooh, spooky. 
attached the email paintwithb at aol.com, which I assume is another joke email. I'm over episode 31 now. The images of what I saw will stick with me for a while, but I want to do one last hurrah. I'll get in contact with Mitchell Wilson again and hopefully get set up with the tapes in possession of the other Peel police branches. I'll try to update you guys as soon as I can. I'm sure it won't take a year again. Thank you, everyone who still reads this. Elliot. Okay, so. The the idea of, you know, actually showing the burning children and everything can't just be burning children. And I think the bear and the cross is a good image to tack on to the end of that. Because mm-hmm. it could not just be, here's the kids burning. It's like, well, I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, there so had they, to be something there. They needed to give us something else because we knew exactly what was going to happen. Despite the tension building up to what is pretty horrific, the the, the addition of the the Jesus bear suit is yeah. is is pretty is 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 it's like icing you know yeah you need that uh sugar and icing you need that uh tension to build up first and the actual new image to tackle into the end to book in the whole thing otherwise it's just kind of pointless it's like yeah i knew that mm-hmm. the update could be yeah i saw it <laughs> kids are burning i didn't like that oh it's um, bad um looking into this in our I, uh, in, uh, I-N-R-I? Uh, in on, yes, that. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yes. King of the Jews. Just Googling this shit real quick. Um, just stands for Jesus from what I understand. There's, there's a, there's a meaning to it. And I knew, I, I was raised Catholic initially, so I should know this as well, but I don't off the top of my head, but I feel like I'm this close to remembering what it stood for. It's definitely cryptic. I think it stands for King of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Mm, okay, so are we saying that Mr. Bear is Jesus? Um, apparently in this person's mind, that's what's going on here. That's interesting. And it's also worth noting that a lot of people try and use... Uh, children's shows and children's programming to program people, to program them with messages of how to act and how to behave. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we both have a similar idea of similar feelings about this kind of stuff. <laughs> I think that um, a piece of art should be an expression of self, not necessarily trying to convince someone of something. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you see these children's shows that are like propaganda, like the VeggieTales kind of thing. Oh, God. Where it's it's not about entertaining children. It's about, it's about putting God's message them in them, them through, yeah. through singing vegetables. And uh, you're seeing a lot of people nowadays that want to do that with just about every kind of media. It's like they don't view art for what it is. They view it only as propaganda. Well, that, Even that, if it's not political or social or teaching a moral, it's like um, everything is propaganda. Now, is it propaganda for or against what I believe? And then they read a ton into it, and then you got to wonder. like, and, then, and usually they read into it and try to skew it toward an, a particular agenda. 
Yeah, and you look at or against it, and you can easily interpret whatever you want out of it, so it doesn't matter. I mean, there's so many shows. There, there's, there's art that is clearly political, mm-hmm. and usually it's labeled as political, and it it's really painfully clear. Mm-hmm. But when you... It's like... The example I like to use is Resident Evil. It's a game about an evil pharmaceutical company, but the message isn't anti-pharmaceutical. The message is, look at this cool mansion. It's filled with zombies. It's scary. Also, the guy who built this mansion is fucking nuts and put puzzles everywhere. (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) to focus on the moral of that is to completely miss what it's actually about. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you could easily say, oh, it's about how there are evil pharmaceutical industries, but there are good ones, too. Or you could just say, it's about all pharmaceutical industries being bad. Like, you can interpret it however the fuck you want. It doesn't mean anything. You no, know? definitely. So Well, it's like, the, it's like the, the example I like to use, because you were talking about the contrast between things that are really clearly trying to make a statement and things that people want to say are trying to make a statement. It's like, on one end, you have Banksy. Yeah. On the other end, you have Steven Universe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll, just let, I'll try and let that speak for itself. Yeah. We don't need to explain that anymore, I think, no. people. Can I just... There's one thing I really want to touch on, though, before we go to the, the final entry. We're there. Oh, my God. There's another thing I want to touch on, too. And I assume it's the same thing, right? No, I think it's actually connected to what we were just talking about. The... um. You can see that whoever Mr. Bear is, is trying to put that a message out there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes he's successful, but a lot of the times his ideas are so deranged that in trying to convey them to the audience, to these children, it ends up being really clumsy and misunderstood and it's just like it only makes sense in his head mr bear thinks this all makes sense but yeah and you can see that sometimes when an artist is too obsessed with their message and doesn't have a way of um they're so blinded by their ideology that they can't communicate to someone else Mm -hmm. and they can't receive communications and I think that's what's going on with Mr. Bear. He's really blinded by these crazy ideas. Right. Um, Even if that's really obvious, I think it worth, it's I'll, worth pointing out. No, it's definitely worth pointing out because it's as part of the, our greater understanding of the 1999 mythos here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the part I wanted to touch on real quick was, I suppose I should feel grateful, but I feel guilty. There it is. Mm-hmm. right there he just spelled it out for us what we were speculating earlier and am i still here only by pure luck and that's what's driving him that's 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 our that's our mission statement right there and he, and he probably almost he's probably looking at it as he, he here he's judging the people pretending to be mr bear and he's being condescending to the people making the fake count on local 21 youtube channel which if that exists yeah that's really fucking annoying and misses the point. You don't actually need to produce these things. Which, it does exist, by the way. I looked it up. There is a uh, there is a Mr. Bear YouTube channel. Is it good? No. Okay. <laughs> well, it's it's trying. That's what I should say. It's trying, but it's, it's way too on the nose. 
if you know what I mean. It's trying to be creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's way too wonder. <laughs> Nose. It's you. Uh, <laughs> smells like bullshit. <laughs> Get out of my house. Uh, um, I'm a fucking bear. I want to maul you. Um, <laughs> you smell he, like honey. He's, he's Roar. Uh, getting mad at these fake Mr. Bears. And he's getting mad at these people who are trying to replicate what he's doing. And it's almost like... I wasn't asking for this attention. I was trying to get this out of my system, but now it's there. And it's almost like I feel bad for getting this attention because this, this seems like it's a story to you guys. And this is my therapy kind of deal. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the impression I'm getting, which is good because while Elliot, still the char- me, damn it. Yeah. While Elliot, the character is reacting like that. I'm sure the author of the story is going, Fuck yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's working. Uh-huh. So, um, I don't know if there's much more to be addressed during this part. I think we should... No. Let's get into the home stretch. Okay. Um, How about you do the first part, and then I'll do Paint with the Soul. I like Paint with the Soul. I'll do... Tell you what, you do Paint with the Soul, and I'll do uh, the following episode after that. Okay. Okay. So, shall I start it? Yeah. You read? Okay. Okay, update. 6, 21, 2015. Hey guys, once again, I'm sorry for taking so long to update. I've been fortunate enough to find a full-time summer job that pays pretty well, so I've been busy lately. But I managed to find the time to pursue Mitchell Wilson in allowing me to view more tapes. He managed to get me into the Her Ontario Street branch to view some evidence found at the sinister Mr. Bear's house. Wilson never made it clear how many tapes her Ontario had, but they only showed me one of them. The tape I was shown contained two episodes. Paint with a Soul, Episode 2. How to Find Berries. Paint with a Soul never stood out to me because I never saw it on TV myself, and the actual episodes didn't make a whole lot of sense. The episode started with the usual bad quality, cutting right to an alleyway, The cameraman made his way through the alley, the derelict buildings on one side, and rusted metal fence on the other. Oh my god, no, this is mother... Okay, no, he knows about... This is straight straight up Alan's tutorial. Man, this is... Yeah, this is straight up... This is almost... Is this parody? I don't know. That's weird. What? For real? <laughs> okay, so... so let, let's let's keep going. Okay, let's... no. Okay, we need to stop for a second. Because, <laughs> okay, Alan Tutorial, well, we won't get into the whole thing of it, but it's a, a person who has some sort of developmental or a mental disorder Damn. who has a YouTube channel where he does tutorials that only make sense to him and his and it starts out as being something that's uh supposed to be realistic you're supposed to laugh at it it's supposed to be like a cringe thing and then progressively it turns into a dark horror story where you are judged for laughing at this mentally handicapped person and like it gets really judgmental and it's really interesting but the character Alan himself says um 
hey, hey, tutorial heads. And that's what he calls his fans. And yeah, this that's line right. right here. And this is like literally taken from the whole um, bit when he actually goes homeless. Spoilers. There's a part where he gets homeless and he's trying to find berries out of trash cans. This is literally just describing that scene. It's oh, weird. my God. This, does this mean our the story's integrity has just taken a nosedive? Let's, let's find out. I don't know. Hey, hey painting heads. <laughs> Today I'm going to show you how to uh, find some fresh wild berries. I recognize uh, that voice as one of the other, from one of the other episodes. Like episode three, the man's voice was fairly shaky and sounded somewhat anxious. The man walked around onto a mattress turned uh, against the building. Here we have the house where the squirrels hide things. The man pulled out a shaking hand and was uh, covered in what looked like blood. <coughs> bad, yeah, the bad qual- film quality of the uh, the bad quality of the film. The liquid looked alarmingly bright. The bright ha- uh, the hand grabbed the mattress and pushed it to the ground, revealing a plastic container behind it. The camera zoomed in on the container, revealing it to be. Uh, full of small red berries. And here we have berries. The man placed the camera on the ground so that it was level with the berries. He took a small handful and presumably ate them. Mmm, tastes good, the man exclaimed. Suddenly a scream erupted from somewhere in the distance, causing the man to hastily pick up, uh, pick out, causing the man to hastily pick out the camera and begin to sprint. Pick out. Pick. It says pick, pick up, the, up cam- the camera. Okay. The episode cut out shortly after. Oh. What the fuck? My fucking god. I can't believe this. This is unbelievable. I haven't actually read this entry yet, so. No, neither have I. This is straight. That's a straight up Alan tutorial. There was there was one where he found berries in a trash can. This is so weird. Oh what? I'm looking up and seeing if anyone else. Someone has, has to have made this connection. Like, oh my god. We should talk to night. We should talk to Nightmind about about this. Nick Nocturne. Get him around here. Be like, have you read 1999? Can we talk about 1999? <laughs> Okay, this is fucking... This is so obvious that this person has to know what they're doing. Oh, God. This can't be someone, like, copying, trying something similar. No, this is someone who's copying and knows that they're going to get caught. This has to be, like, intentional. It Well, especially considering how well crafted the story was before this. Yeah. Like, Why? Why? Oh my god, this is fucking with me. <sighs> me too. I I don't want to believe it that they would just take a nosedive like this, but I'm 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 honestly just like really thrown off. That's <sighs> so weird. I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna dive ahead with the next one, okay? Uh, I found someone else who seems to have made a video commenting on this. I'm so confused. I can't let this go. It's just fucking no, weird. No, this is... 
I, I hope the the work. I hope this part was worth the wait, everybody. I know we were BSing a lot at the beginning of the video and re and and the, 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 the podcast or whatever wherever you do this, but but I no the what I don't the, even. Uh, this is a meta narrative about a meta narrative that is just fucking with me. I just, it's so jarring when earlier we were kind of like, oh, maybe it's kind of an illusion. No, this is, this is straight up fucking Alan tutorial. Why? Stop. You're, you're better than this, 1999. What is going on? What is going on? Okay, I Is think... this going to get really meta or, or is it just lazy? I don't. Let's pause. Let the, let the recording go on. Paul's here. Okay. And we'll, we'll we'll keep recording, but cut this part out. Okay. But let's view this video that I found. I'm oh, like, link this... it to me. Okay. Okay. Hold I'm gonna on have me. to cut this. I'll cut this whole part out. Yeah, because this is just fucking confusing. I am mind blown. Uh... This has this has to be a joke. It's it's gotta be. Did someone like? Vandalize this page? What the fuck? <laughs> I can't be experiencing what I'm experiencing oh. right now. Oh, this is going to be such a memorable episode. Oh. How do you recover from something like this? How? Yeah, I don't... But we have just spent a good chunk of time looking around trying to see if anybody else besides us has found this. And there's like two comments. It's... It... I am broken. Is the is the author <laughs> hoping that we don't know about Alan Tutorial? Because we certainly know about Alan Tutorial now, and oh my god, I'm glad we do because that. What? Okay, so what? <clears throat> be be strong, my friend. Be strong. You can do this. Oh my god. We're just gonna, we're gonna have some words at the end. Oh my god. So. Just scrolling why... through here on these these horrifically stupid creepypasta wiki comments. <laughs> um, Did you find anything? Not finding anyone commenting on this blatant act of plagiarism. <laughs> it's, it's parody to the point where I just don't believe it. No, any... Oh, is, God. Is this, is this person pulling a... Um, Jettisable, where it's just like uploading the King Kong in my trunk video onto the Ben Drown channel for April Fools. Is that this? Is, is this the point? Has it gotten to the point where the the author is trying? Yeah, it's like you're saying. Is the author trying to sabotage their own work? Because, or 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 is this just the creepypasta wiki has been? vandalized which i wouldn't disbelieve what the fuck is going on i like that we have all this doubt like about what's happening here and yet every everyone th there's so many people who have read this story and there are so many people who have seen alan tutorial how are we the third and fourth motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> in the history of the universe to point this out. Uh, <laughs> I would say that it's like 
and a joke or some sort of like meta narrative, if not for the fact that no one else has pointed this out. Intrepid listeners, now you know. No, they're they're be in the con- they are full of trepidation now, my friend. No, of course, but the the trepidation, the trepidation is it needs to be a rallying point. This is why more than ever we need to get you to get in the comments and discuss this and help us research this. Please, friends. Because if we, we didn't know about Alan tutorial, oh, we if we, we didn't, what would happen? You would just be like, oh, that's weird and creepy. Yeah, but we know now. Could, could, I mean, let me make this perfectly clear. Stealing is great. <laughs> Steal artistically, healthy ass, that's wonderful, but you have to make it your own. And this is just... It's so... This is just, this is just literally that section of Alan tutorial. It is... It, it, it's, it's so lazy, if that's the case. Like, the, the plagiarism is so... So blatant. Because I just uploaded a video that's very blatantly um, the... Are you talking about Everett the Entertainer? Everett the Entertainer is a a blatant retelling of a old creepy monster that's very famous. Not going to spoil that for anyone who hasn't heard it. Mm -hmm. And the Printer's Passages, too. It's another famous one. Right. Um, Looking through, I've been doing that quite a bit lately where I'm just taking old ones and rewriting them. I have another one that's about to go up that's just a retelling of another story. I I do that. Burgers and Ball Pits is just another version of um, the angel or the clown, because that one's been around since before the days of the internet. Mm-hmm. Like, the, these are just, you know, the same structure being radically changed. Right. This, this is just fucking that bit of Alan tutorial. <laughs> yeah. the, the one where he's going around trying to find berries. Uh, enlighten yourselves, listeners. Oh my god. If you don't know about Alan tutorial... I'm fucking broken. You're required to now know about Alan tutorial. Because Holy this shit. cannot slide. We cannot let this go. You, you, you know... You know, you guys, you're hearing, like I'm hearing right now, the, the complete shell of a man that Dead Palette has just what become. A f- fucking scumbag. <laughs> Is this person for I, This person can't be for real. Because uh, the per, my, here's what's confusing me. It should be obvious to anyone who has read this and seen out in the tutorial that this is clearly directly referencing that. Hey, so it's wh- why is no one else talking about this? Oh. I th- David, did you hack my internet? No. To fuck with my IP to where it would bring me to this <laughs> shit. What have you done? Uh, it, it's slime beast. It's that's where I was going to go. It's slimy. He found out somehow that we were poking fun. Yeah. He knows how you feel about Candle Cove, so he decided to throw. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we can finish this. There's a whole other movie episode, but I don't think I, I can't. Like yeah, you guys. The, that that how, how to find berries 
is Alan Tutorial Alan Video MP4 Tutorial, a, a YouTube video that has fifteen uh, one hundred fifty thousand views. Thousand, uh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Mm. Mm. Oh my God. But 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 Jake Pallet, this was this was a tape that was in that was found in 1999. It was recorded for Caledon Local 21. So clearly, it's all tutorial. No. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Fuck reading the rest of the story. Yeah. We're... Fuck the story. Oh. One well, moment. Like, I read it. I read ahead to see if no, like this is a joke. No. No, it's just there. It carries on. This blatant plagiarism. Just it's amazing. Straight up. Uh, oh my god. I'm sure we'll revisit this at some point, but. Uh, okay. Okay. So we just we just experienced this whole bullshit <laughs> with slime beast and people who don't care about those people. Oh point god. Is, point is, in that situation, they were like. Uh, initially saying that it was inspired by Abandoned by Disney, and then they started lying about it and waffling and blah, blah, blah. It's a new project, whatever. Uh-huh. This is literally being presented as... <laughs> as, yeah, this is my thing. Yep. Okay. Here's, 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 here's what we're plugging. Go watch Alan Tutorial. Okay. It's fucking good. Okay, we're get, we'll get to the plugs. Give, give give the person who wrote this came up with it was inventive enough to think of something that is subversive as that. Mm-hmm. Give that person attention. Fuck the story. Oh, wow. The parts of it that I liked, I still like. Uh huh. But fuck this person. <laughs> Passing it off as as theirs. Now I, I don't I don't think anything that I like about this story is by this person. It's by someone else. You don't think so? Like, someone, uh, maybe. We were maybe this, this person this is, is banking on naivety and it's working. This is such a radical 180. I'm just like completely baffled. We were not 20, 30 minutes ago singing this story's praises. Is this person sabotaging their own story? I don't know. I don't know. I that don't... is fucking weird. <laughs> uh, uh, well, okay. I feel like I'm on a hidden camera show. <laughs> like, for real? <laughs> I'm a critical asshole, and I've been giving the story the benefit of the doubt, and then this oh. happens. You know? Oh, this is this is so beautiful. You know what? I am uploading this as soon as possible. This is going this is up. Hilarious. People people need to know this is important. I'll save the other one we did for another time. This the world needs to know. The world needs to know that 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 this happened. Yeah, this is what you're uploading it as. I, you're, I upload- am... you're uploading it as undercooked analysis nineteen ninety nine part Part Alan tutorial. Really? Part Alan tutorial. <laughs> yes. And it just in all caps, Alan Tutorial. And the background image isn't even going to be Mr. Bear anymore. It's just going to be a picture of something oh. from Alan Tutorial. It's just going to be a picture of Alan Resnick. It's a picture. I'm going to put it, yeah. A photo negative Alan Resnick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
You heard it live, folks. This is this might be the greatest undercooked analysis ever. Oh my god. I can't believe this happened. Oh my god. I think by this point the listeners have to understand our disbelief. Oh, I know. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. Plea for sanity. Plug plug Alan's tutorial. Go check them out so you know what we're talking about. If you already know what you're, we're talking about, great. Check out the rest of my stuff if you feel so inclined. I mean, at least when I have done rewrites of stuff, it's been with the permission of the authors involved, and I go out of my way whenever I can to make sure these people get credit. Unless, of course, they're anonymous, in which point I still say, I'm sorry, the author was unknown. Maybe I took some liberties here and there, but I'm adapting the work, because there's something there that's worth that merits adapting um, yeah it's it's completely it's completely different if is... you're heavily inspired by like silent hill i love silent hill silent hill steals everything from everywhere oh yeah but it's such a mishmash of all of these different things that is bound together by some original ideas that it does not matter that it is banking off of a history of mm -hmm. horror and film and literature. Mm -hmm. Because it's doing something new with all of these things. <sighs> this ain't that. <laughs> ain't that. Nope. Is, 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 is there anything else you want of, of yours that you want to get people to I need to lay at? down. Okay. Then, uh, I, I then need a get a get a stiff drink. Make a tequila sunrise. You have a tutorial. Yes. You have a tutorial video about making Holy a tequila sunrise. Holy shit! I have sunrise. a tutorial video. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.